The buzzard knew. He gave the first warning. I was playing in the backyard while my grandmother stirred the iron wash pot over the fire. She had gray hair and a bent back. Standing, she looked like the left-hand side of a Y. If she'd been able to straighten her back, she would have been taller than me. But since she couldn't, we were the same height. I called her Boo Nanny. She joked that I should call her Bent Granny. She took in wash from white people in town. In our backyard, clotheslines were stretched four feet off the ground. A higher line held pants and sheets. Daddy had built a platform so she could reach. The morning of my last day of fifth grade, the weather was hot. Not as hot as it would get in a few weeks, when sand scalded bare feet and doors swelled so much that it was hard to open them, but hot enough so that the salt breeze from the ocean did little to cool things off. Boo Nanny wore a cabbage leaf on her head to protect her from the sun. Holding the cup green leaf to her head with one hand, she shaded her eyes and looked up into the sky, clear but for some feathery clouds in the shape of seagull wings. Several birds looped around in the high currents, too far away to cast a shadow. They were black and shiny like crows, but as awkward as flying turkeys. Their wings held fixed. The birds did the dead man's float in the air, drifting in lazy figure eights around an invisible circle, but never running into each other. Then one lit out from the group and swooped down, pulling its shadow across the yard, over the top edges of the clothes on the line. Suddenly, Boo Nanny shoved me onto the sand and covered my body with hers. The cabbage leaf flew off to the side. Her bent back made her look fragile. But in fact, she was strong from hauling heavy irons from the fire and taking water from the well to the pit for boiling wash. Still, I was startled by how fast she could move. What's wrong? I said, alarmed, feeling the weight of her thin body on mine. Buzzard shadow, Boonanny said, rolling off me and struggling to her feet. That old thing tag you means your happiness done dead. Did he get me? I asked, worried. Did you see? I don't know. If he do, a mess of trouble be headed to our door, she said. Before Boonanny tackled me, I had watched the buzzard break off from the circle and glide down toward us. The flat gray shape beneath it bent and unfolded as the buzzard passed over the fence and slipped away from us. I didn't notice if the shadow had grazed my head or skimmed over any part of me, but I couldn't say for absolute sure that I hadn't been tagged. The shadow left no outward sign. What if I was a marked boy and didn't even know it? but I was more worried about Boo Nanny. She had protected me by covering my body with hers, and if the shadow had grazed anyone, it was her. I went to school and didn't think any more about the morning's events, but the buzzard shadow opened up inside me a pinhole of dread. On the last day of class, the students were fidgety. Everyone was ready for summer to begin. Everyone, that is, except for me. Who would help Miss Annie with the buckets when it rained in the summer? That was my job during the year.
The roof leaked, and the bare walls and ceiling of the second floor were covered with stains the color of tobacco spit. We kept the maps and phonetic charts on the first floor, where it stayed dry. At the award ceremony that afternoon, I received a certificate for perfect attendance. I was so excited, I couldn't wait until evening and had to show my father that very afternoon. He was proud of how smart I was. My father was a reporter for the Wilmington Daily Record, the only Negro daily in the South. The offices were located on the corner of Princess and Water Streets, across from the wharf. After school, I walked along Market Street, lined with live oaks whose great spreading branches drooped with hanks of wiry gray moss that Boo Nanny called Haint's Hair. As I walked along, I leaped up to touch the moss, being careful not to damage my attendance certificate, which I had placed on the back of my slate and secured with a book strap. At Front Street, white ladies in hats and white gloves exited the streetcar and held their long skirts above the muck left by mules, horses, and oxen. A block farther on, I turned right and walked by the wharf, where the three-masted schooners and steamships were docked along the Cape Fear River. The air, softened by salt moisture, was crowded with noisy gulls waiting for scraps from the fish vendors. Men sold hot biscuits and fried bananas from carts, while coon dogs and the occasional shoat milled about. I rarely visited Daddy at work, but today was a special day. I smoothed the edges of my certificate against my slate and felt happy, imagining how proud he would be. At the record office, I took the outside stairs, past the first-floor saloon with a sign that read, Whoever drinks here, return for another draft. Even this early in the day, the place was crowded and noisy. I was under strict instructions from my mother to stay away from the saloon, which was not a problem. I liked the sound of white sailors singing off-key, but the smell of pickles and sawdust made my stomach turn. On the second floor, I didn't see Daddy at his desk and asked the first man I saw where I could find him. Ask Alex Manley. He'll know your father's whereabouts, the clerk said, and pointed to a white man across the room. He was tall and had black hair, but not the way my hair was black. His was soft and straight and thin and lay flat on his head like a horse's coat. 